Amen. We greet you all in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. It's once more it's a privilege to come and share a few words with you. Uh, as we know, the pastor is not here today. He is gone to Durban. I think he's, he's, he, he left on Thursday. And then I think this morning he's preaching in uh, one of the pastors there's church there. And uh, so we think uh, and we believe that the Lord is going to be with him. Amen. And then uh, wherever he is, whatever message he's going to bring forth, and they're going to be blessed. Amen. Amen. And we know that the, the God says, where two or three are gathered together, I will be there in their midst. And even this morning, we believe that also here, God will be with us. Amen. Hallelujah. So without saying a lot, we, I will want us to just go into our Bibles and just have a scripture reading for this morning. Amen. Uh, the first scripture will be Ecclesiastes uh, 12. We'll read from verse 8 until 14. And then we'll, we'll read also Romans 8, verse 35 to 35. And also Philippians 1, verse 19 to 22. So we'll start with Ecclesiastes, amen. The preacher, amen. Uh, if, if found, I see we're still paging through our Bibles. It is, I think it is just after Proverbs. Then you have Ecclesiastes, amen. May the good Lord bless the reading of his word, amen. As we read, vanity of vanities, said the preacher. All is vanity. And moreover, because of the preacher was wise, he still taught the people knowledge. Yea, he gave good heed and sought out and set in order many proverbs. The preacher sought to find out a acceptable ways, and in that which was written was upright, even words of the truth. The words of the wise are as gold, gold, and as nails fastened by the masters of the assemblies, which are given from one shepherd. And further, by this, my son, be admonished, for making many books there is no end, and much study is wearisome of the flesh. And let us hear the conclusion of the matter. The conclusion of the whole matter is fear God, Keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of men. For God shall bring every work into judgment, with every secret thing, whether good or whether it be evil. Amen. You see, from here you can see that you can never hide anything from the Lord. Amen. And then as you can see, he says, for he, let us hear the conclusion. That means for anything that needs to be concluded, for everything that needs to be uh, 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 to be justified. It is only God who can do it. He's the one who can conclude everything. That is because he was the author and concluder of our lives. Hallelujah. So now we'll go to Romans um, 8, then we'll read uh, verse 35 to, 30, to, to, to 30, 39. Amen. And it, it reads this way. I think this is one scripture that we are all used to. It says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Uh, shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. 
and in nigh, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded, amen, and, and I think we are all persuaded this morning, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, whatever your situation might be going through this morning, that can never persuade you to forsake the love of God. Amen. It can never persuade you to separate, to separate from yourself from the love of God. He says things present, even things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hallelujah. So this was Paul speaking. Amen. So we're going to read another writing from Paul as well. Philippians 1. Then we'll read from verse 19 to 22. Amen. Uh, as it reads this way. For I know that this shall tend to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that which is all boldness, as always so, uh, sorry, as always so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. Hallelujah. For to, for, for to me to live is Christ. Hallelujah. So you see, your life, when you live your life, the only thing you are living it is for what? For the glory of the Lord. That is why Paul here says, for me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. What is it that you're going to gain when you die? If you're in the Lord, what you're going to gain is that you're going to be eternally with him. Throughout eternity, you're going to move from this body that we see of flesh, and you're going to move to another body, a theophany, then there you're going to be for the rest of the eternity, be with Christ. That is why I say, Paul, whether he's here on earth, it is Christ. Even when he dies, still he's going to be with the same Christ. In fact, he thinks that even when he dies, there's going to be more reward for him when he dies than when he's here on earth. Amen. So, but, is, but if I live in the flesh... This is the fruit of my labor. The fruit of my labor is what? To serve Christ. For it is for just to serve Christ so that they, the, everything might be for the glory of Christ. Hallelujah. For if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yea, what I choose, I want not. Hallelujah. May we just close our eyes and for the blessing of the reading of this word. Amen. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, this morning we'd like to thank you, Father. Uh, we've come here, Father, from our houses, Father, with one expectation, Father to hear you speak to us this morning. And Father, as you've always done, Father, we've never come back disappointed. Each and every time we had a question in our hearts, when we came here, Father, we managed to get the answers. Even this morning, Father, may we please use my lips to be able to come to answer the questions that your children might be having. I, as a mortal, Father, I do not know what is it that they need, but you, as the immortal, you, as their author, you, as their creator, Father, you can go into their hearts and you can see what is it that is lacking in their hearts. 
you can even see their heart desire, Father. May you please grant it unto them. May it be salvation, Father, grant it unto them. May it be deliverance from sickness, grant it unto them, Father. May it be, Father, deliverance from the evil one, from demons, may you grant it unto them, Father. Because we know, Father, there is nothing that is above you. You are above everything, Father. When we come, you in prayer, we know that you've always answered it, as you've promised, Father. Because you say, ask whatever you need, and it shall be granted unto us. That is what was the promise, Father. So this morning, Father, as you are here, Father, may you please bless the reading of your word. May you please bless your children who are here. May you please circumcise their ears and circumcise my lips and so I'm going to speak to them, Father. May you please take me from the sin, Father, so that the only person that you may see and hear may be you, Father. I pray, believing in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. May we have the pleasure of our sins. Amen. Uh, once more, I greet you again in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Um, the, as we said, the pastor is not here. So the Lord has fallen on me this morning to come and speak to you. Uh, so the message that I'm going to preach uh, was inspired by the message that the pastor preached, I think, yes, back, almost six years back. Because when I wanted to find a topic for my message, I, I, I wanted to say, an answer for in the days, the answer in the days that you are living in, but it just didn't feel right. So I started searching, maybe we should, I should say an anchor in the days that you are living in. It also, it just didn't fit. So I think one day, uh, last week, my, my wife was busy cleaning in my office, in my practice there. Then there was a diary that I had years back, so it was just laying there. So she was cleaning it, and then I went cleaning it, she put it in front of my desk, in front of my books there. So I just got hold of it, opened it. So the first message there on that book was the message that the pastor preached. I think it was on the 9th of, on the 13th of September 2015. It was God's word is the final authority. And then in the subtitle there was the absolute. So when I saw the word absolute, I think that was the word I was looking for. So our message this morning will be the absolute in the days that you are living in. Hallelujah. Because you know, an absolute is perfect in itself. It's an all-powerful. It is the ultimate. It is unlimited in power. Understand? So, it is everything. That is why here when we read the preacher, Ecclesiastes, he says, here is the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God. Why? Because God is the what? He is the absolute. He's the all-powerful. He's the only being that we can say he's perfect in himself. He is the ultimate. Hallelujah. So when I saw that word, I saw this is the word that we are needing, I was looking for. So we need to have an, the absolute in the days, our days, the one that we are living in. Amen. So an absolute is the one that concludes everything. Is the one that has the final word. That means if people are having a dispute, you need somebody who can come there as a referee and give the final word. That is one that we say has an absolute authority. The only person who has that is he, it is God himself. His word, Jesus Christ, our Lord Jesus Christ, amen. So now we know that the days that we are living in is the days of the pandemic. We just had the first wave last year and then we are just going, getting off the third wave. Now, 
this disease, as we all know, it has changed the way we, li- we are living, the way we are getting about, about things. As we can see now, we are restricted. <laughs> the, the, because of the disease, we have to be 50. Not more than 50, then if we are more than 50, then there is a penalty. As you can see this morning, we have all masks. It's just I don't have one because I have to speak to you. You see, it has changed our order of life. You understand? So now, when it has done that, we need something that is above it. Now, that, that is the absolute. Because now, if you go to doctors, the doctors themselves, they are not sure. The one day they give you this information, the next day they give you that information. I mean, not long, we're talking about uh, having vaccines from uh, AstraZeneca, which we're going to vaccinate all the healthcare workers. When it reaches here, immediately it landed on shore. We, didn't, uh, we took it to the lab, tested it, found out that it, has, it was useless. It was only about 21% efficacious which is very low, because when we went there, <laughs> when it, it went out of India, coming here, we thought it was about 70, at least 71%. But when it landed here and we checked it, it was only about, it only had an efficacy of about 21%. Now you see now, even doctors, they come and make medication, but this virus, the reason it does this is because it's the devil. Yes. It's a demon. And then now a demon can, 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 wants to survive. That's why even when God had that guy, the, 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 that, that person who was mad, when he took the evil spirit out of him, they were asking that at least he must put them in, in the pigs because they wanted to survive. So now that is what the de- demon is doing. Because of that, it managed to mutate, change form, so that even the virus that we have even the vaccines that we're going to have will not, be, uh, will not be working on them. Now, as we speak, today, we have a new rollout. Now, Johnson & Johnson have done another vaccine, uh, have brought other vaccines, but still, it doesn't mean that the virus has stopped. No, it is still trying to survive. Now, if now medication fails, you need something that does not fail. Yes. Now, that's why we talk about now the absolute. You need something that is above that. You need something that is above the change of the virus that can even suppress it, whether it changes or not. Hallelujah. Now, here, you, you, you will understand that the, the, this absolute must not be just an absolute. It must be an absolute in your life. Amen. So I just want us to read a quotation from Brother Brenham, where just to introduce the, the topic for us. Amen. So we'll read the spoken word and absolute the one that was preached in 1963, uh, December, the 1st of December, amen. Now we'll read from, uh, from, verse tw- from paragraph 26, and it reads this, this way. Now, when I was looking this text up, I went to the dictionary. I thought, what? Somebody keeps saying that's absolute, the truth. Amen? Absolute, this is it. I thought, what is that word? What does it mean, absolute? And I went to the dictionary to find out what it meant. Webster says, it is perfect in itself. Hallelujah. Unlimited in power. Primarily. That means when something is primarily, is the first thing. 
That means it is primarily the ultimate. That is the only real thing. See, unlimited in his power, perfect in itself. And it is really, it is an ultimate. That is the end of everything. Hallelujah. So now we'll jump to paragraph uh, 29. Now he says, now every great achievement is tied to an absolute. You cannot run life without having an absolute. That means if you, even if you are determined to do something, there must be something that you can call an absolute that's going to encourage you to do whatever you are doing. Yes. To achieve something, you must be striving to find something. Something that, you, that is more powerful. That means something that nobody else has done before. That is why he says, for every great achievement is tied to what? An absolute. So you can't make an, an achievement without it being an absolute. For, the absolute. for it is the final tie post. That's an absolute. Now, a tie post is something that you need, you can tie yourself to and put your life in the hands of that thing. That is a fine, that is a tie post. Now he says, it is it's the hitch wreck at the end of the journey. It's a place where you are tied to something. Hallelujah. In the day that we are living in now, everything so breaking up, so fragile, carried away, as we, as we, have, we, are, we are experiencing now. Everything is breaking up, it's so fragile, it's being carried away by this virus that we are, having, we are experiencing now. I think that this message will be a very appropriate thing especially to Christians when they are going through their deep waters now. I can, I can attest you, most people have gone through deep waters. They've gone through a lot of trouble. There's, most of them have been, they've lost left, loved ones, and amen, some have been hospitalized. So they've been through deep waters. Now, that's when they need a message like this, this day. Now, Brother Brem was saying that day, but I believe he also means this day that we are living in. Amen. The Christian church is passing through the deepest of waters it's had for the last 200 years because we are coming to a spot to where there is something presented to Christianity, something they have to make a decision on. I think that the Christian church ought to have something that they know that they are tied, they are tied to instead of just floating about like a leaf upon the water and the wind. The Bible said, carried about by every wind of doctrine. The winds come and brought the little leaf this way, then another wind come, and the north wind, and then the east wind, and the west wind. You'll never get anywhere if you are not stable. You understand? Now you need an absolute to make you what? Stable. To come and anchor you. You understand? You cannot have an anchor, an absolute. You cannot have a direction unless you have what? An absolute. So the Christian life should be a stable life. Amen. Why? Because like we've read here, Paul says, nothing can separate me from the life of God. Whether death, life, strife, diseases, trial. You see, those are the things that as a, as a human being you will go through. There's a time to be born and there's a time to, to die. And in between, you'll have trials and tribulation. But you must be tied to something greater, to the fact that your life will be stable, to the fact that even when the winds, the storms of life comes upon you, you'll be what? Stabled. You won't be tossed up and to and fro like a leaf that is, on a, that is upon a waters. Amen? So he says, a Christian life should be a stable life. It should be something that is a, 
that is a principle that you are tied to. Do you see now? You must have something that is a principle that you are tied to. That is more than life itself. Now, what is it that is more than life itself? Except the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he's the author and creator of our life. So for him, he is more than life itself. Now, if you're looking through life, you're going through life's journey. When you're going through it, for you to be sure of where you're going, you need to know somebody who holds your faith, who knows your destination. Somebody who even before the foundation of the world knows everything about you. Now, the Lord Jesus Christ, or God himself, he is the author of your life. In, your, in you, he knows how many hairs are on your, your, your head. I can bet you, you yourself, you don't know. <laughs> but he does know that. He knows each and every scar that you have on your body. He knows how it's going to happen, how it will happen, what time is going to happen, and then how many throughout your life they're going to be. Because why? He is the all-seeing God. You, you are just going there, grasping to life, but he knows your life from the beginning to the end. That is the absolute. That is the one person you should depend on. Hallelujah. And he says, you must have something that you are tied to. He says, some people are tied to your business. Some are tied to their families. Some are tied to a creed. Some are tied to an army post. We have different things that we are tied to. Hallelujah. But I think as a Christian, we ought to be tied to where we know is right. Where is that place where we know it's right? Except the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Because you might be tied to your family and your wife could leave you. Now you are what now? You are heartbroken. You are distressed. You are depressed. You want to take, you want to commit suicide. Why? Because you are, you are tied to what? The wrong thing. You cannot put hope in people because people will disappoint you. But if you put all your hope, all your faith in him, he will never disappoint you. Amen. Now, he says, you might be tied to an army. You might get killed. And you might be tied to a different thing. And it's got an end. But there's got to be a final tie post. That means you must have a final toy post to your soul. Not even your body, but your soul. That is why even Job says, even though the skin worms my body might devour, but in my flesh I shall see the Lord. We will see, we'll read a quotation on that to understand. What does he says? Body. Then he says flesh. Is it real flesh that he's talking about that you're going to see Christ with? I don't think so, folks. So we'll see what is that flesh that he's talking for, about. It is your theophan. That means if this body you're having is killed, that inside man that is inside your soul is the one that you're going to see God in. You understand? That is the one, that is the wet body, theophan. That is the one important part, aspect of you. That means even if we speak about you, we can see Brother Mafagasa, Mara, there is a real Mafagaza inside. That is the one we are talking about. Now your soul, which is the inside, which the, in which the inside, inside man resides, must, must have a tie post. And at the tie post to that soul, is he is the author of that soul. Is the creator of that soul. Amen. Then he says, 
um, there's got to be something somewhere that a man, uh, that man has got to time for his eternal destination. Because if you are going to trust in your work, when your work is finished, it's done. When your family is taken, it's over. But there is one thing that I think is the final typos. I believe Paul had a typos in his life. We're going to speak a little bit about Paul to understand why Brother Branham says Paul had a final typos in his life. And I, and, and I would like to cite in, if we'd call it that way, and speak on that typos. He said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now, Paul, Christ was Paul's absolute. It was his typos. It was the, with, with Paul, Christ was the end of all arguments. It was Christ. It was Christ who was his typos. Hallelujah. Now, speaking about Paul, now we, we see that Paul, as, as Brother Brenham says, he says he had a an absolute. He had a final typos, but I will agree, I think you'll agree with me that with Paul, it was not always like that. In fact, when Paul was trained, he was trained by the Sanheredians. Uh, he was one of, the sect of, one of the sects of the Pharisees. And their duty was one. It was to persecute everybody who they believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. That was his duty. And uh, he was educated under the great teacher Gamaliel. So he was well educated. But even when Stephen was died, Paul was the one overseeing the death of Stephen. Yes, he was the one. But one day, it happened that he was going to Damascus to carry his work of persecuting the, 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 the Christians. While he was there, he met a light. Now, this blinding light struck him. Now, he was with people, but the only person that was struck was Paul. The others, the only thing they could hear was a voice. But because this weight was for Paul, this light was for Paul, Paul is the one who saw it. Now, when he saw it, he started, the, the voice, he, he, started, he started crying and asking what it was. And, 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 and the voice started uh, speaking to him, saying, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Now, Saul, being a Jew, you know Jews do not believe that there is any person that can be God except Elohim. But now, because he saw the light, and he knew the beginning of this light, that even Moses, when he was taking the children out of Israel, there was a pill of fire that was there. There was a pill of fire that went there and led the, the children of Israel out of, out of Egypt. Now he knew what this light was. That is why when he said, he said, Lord, who art thou, Lord? He didn't say, who art thou? A, a, a Jew can never say Lord to anybody except Elohim. So the moment he saw that light, he knew that it was God. This is why he was saying, who art thou, Lord? Then the, the voice came from the light and he says, I am Jesus whom thou persecuted. Hallelujah. And from there, Paul was blind. You see, brethren, when you meet the Lord Jesus Christ, your life can never be the same. He had his own side. He had his own way of seeing things. When Christ met him, blinded him, he blinded him to 
all he, the ways that he, wa- he was living. Yes. He blinded him to all the ways of the world. Even you, when you meet that absolute, he will blind you. The desires of the world, things of the world that you used to, those desires, you will have no, them no more. The things that you used to do, you'll find that you just can't do them. Why? Because there is something inside of you. There is something that is thirsting for something inside of you. You have another life inside of you. Now Paul, even himself, after he was blinded by that light, he had another life in him. It was not only him. That is why he says, for me to live is Christ. That means it was the life that was inside of Paul. That life had a different diet. It was not the kind of diet that Paul used to have. It needed different food. That is why even Branham says, after you've been, you, you, you've met this absolute, even people will be surprised at the things that you do. You will find yourself doing things that you will not ordinarily do. Because why? There is another life inside of you. That life guides you, it leads you, it directs you, it points you towards what is supposed to be done. I mean, now you can just imagine. Here was this man. Yesterday, he was persecuting the, 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 the Christian, even killing them. Now, let's go further a bit, then you see how amazing this whole story is. Now, after he has met this light, he is blind. Then, then, then uh, the, the God goes to, to, to Ananias and speaks to, have a, speak to a vision to Ananias saying that there is a man called Paul that he needs to go and pray for. Now Ananias goes to Paul, and in fact, even Ananias, before he goes there, he protests. Say, hey, Lord, I know this man, Saul. He has killed a lot of us. Don't you think he's going to cause harm to me? But now, you see now, if you are speaking to God, there is a vindication behind it. The Lord says, no, this Paul that you are speaking about, I have a duty for him. I'm going to use him. Go to him. Now, Ananias, as much as he was not willing, but because it was God speaking to him, he was compelled to go and speak to Paul. Then he went, prayed for Paul, and then there was Paul standing to regain his sight. A new sight. Not the old sight that the old Saul used to have. That is why his name changed from what? From Saul to Paul. Because he was a, now a new creature. Hallelujah. So now... Paul, after this, the first thing that happened is that after Ananias prayed for him, he received the Holy Ghost. He was baptized and received the Holy Ghost. Now, the Bible says, immediately, he started preaching the gospel of Christ. You see now, that is a paradox. Yesterday, this man was persecuting the people who were preaching the gospel of Christ. The next day, he is the one preaching the same, the same gospel. Now, I mean, such a man does not have credibility. Even when he went there to the synagogue to preach, hey, the people are skeptical. Hey, no, this, I, this is a trap. Yesterday, this man was killing us. Now, today, he's preaching the very same gospel he was persecuting us about. Isn't he just trying to, to trick us? And then now there was another servant of God who was with Paul. He said, no, brethren. Something happened. You see, brother, something must happen to you. 
Amen. So that there, is a, there must be a change of a status quo in your life. Yes. There must be something. Something must take place. Something must touch you. And when you, t- you are touched by that absolute, your life can never be the same. Amen. Hallelujah. Yes. Paul, who we, who we knew as Saul, here he was now, preaching. Preaching the very same gospel he was against. Hallelujah. Now, the reason he did that is just because there was something in him. He had met the absolute. He was now tied to something. Before then, he was tied to the Pharisees. But now he was tied to something even greater than the Pharisees. That is why even Paul here, when he says he's not, he says, even creed. Creed is religion. It can never separate me from the love of Christ. Hallelujah. He says nothing. That means even the creed, all the teachings that he had, could never, ever separate him from that love. Amen. Now you will see now, this Paul had personally met Christ. And he had no fear. Because now he was doing the very same thing that people were killed for. He was not even afraid. He didn't even care for his life. The only thing he cared was pursuing and, 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 and progressing the gospel of Christ. Amen. Now, now, the reason he talked the way he talked, the reason he acted the way he acted, it was because there was something greater in him. Amen. There was something greater in him that, that he could even say that for me to live is Christ and then to die is gay. Now, you, I will, you will agree with me that you can't be saying those things unless you know where you're going. Yes. You can't be inviting death unless you know what is your destination. Yes. That is why, as a Christian, you are not supposed to be afraid of death. Yes. Hey, I will say it, you might not like it, but death is a ticket. Yes. It's a ticket to greater things for a Christian. Oh. Yes, others they see as something distressing, Mara to a born again, Holy Ghost filled, Spirit filled, Christ filled Christian. It is just a jump to something great. Hallelujah. Now, Paul had a Christ centered life. You too, your life must center. That means if something is a center, that means your life revolves around it. Each and everything that you do revolves around that life, that thing. It is, the, it is your absolute. This is why I blame that some people have made businesses, they're absolute. Because when you go there, he is sleeping business, he's waking business, he's just doing business, he's just talking business. Everywhere he is, it's just business, money, business. Why? Their life revolved around that business. Now, Paul's life, it revolved around Christ. And then for him, that was something that each and every one of us has to do. His life has to revolve around Christ. One that holds all our faith in his hands. Hallelujah. Now, Paul was anchored. He was fortified. Because he had an absolute. Now, you'll, you'll, you'll agree with me that an anchor is an absolute to a ship. 
whatever the ship, especially big ship, when they have to go offshore onto the ocean, they have to be, have an anchor. Because an anchor, and now you'll realize one thing, that an anchor normally stays in the front of the, of the ship. Now, what it means is that as Christ is your, is your anchor, he will be in front of your life. Everything that you're going to go through, he's going to be the one leading you through it. That means every trial that you're going to go through, he's the one who's going to go through that trial first to see if you as his child, that means he will be measuring that trial, measuring that test, making sure that it is appropriate for Mavagasa, that his child Mavagasa will be able to go through this trial. He will never ever give you something that is above you. Because when a trial comes, he has gone through it first. That is why this, the word of God says, by his stripes we were healed, even the foundation of the world. That means every tribulation trial that we have to go through, he, when he was on the cross, he went through it. Yes. So as your child, he knows you. He has a measure of you. He knows what is it that you can go through, what is it that you can't go through. That is why even with Job, he knew that oh, well, this one, Job is an upright man. You can just throw this at him. Because why? He had the measure of, of, of Job. Now, as we speak today, he has your measure. He, now, you can never say when something comes and cry. There is something we're going to speak about with Job a bit to show you something that when even Job was at the worst point of his life, he never gave praise to the devil. Yes. <laughs> No, sir. A real Christian can never go there and glorify devil, glorify tribulation. No, sir. The, the word of God says, even after everything, Job tore out his clothes and he worshiped God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Can you imagine a person who has just lost loved ones worshiping God? That's what Paul did. That is what Job did. Hallelujah. Why? Because God was his anchor. Yes. Now, you will find that now with this anchor, it goes in front of the ship. It is then absolute to a ship. Now, a ship, as you realize it, has to be in deep waters. Now, you, even as a child of God, you have to be deep in the word. You cannot be shallow in the word because if you are shallow in the word, the devil can come and, and beguile you like he beguiled if. Because you wouldn't be able to respond to him. Mara, now, if you are in deep waters of the word, you will have an answer to everything that the devil can throw at you. Hallelujah. That is why a ship, even when it's on dock, the, the place where it docks, it is careful. They make sure that it is deep. Because now, if it's on shallow waters, it can go aground, then it will be destroyed. You understand? Mara, if it's in deep waters... That is where a ship is supposed to be. Even a child of God has to be in the word of God all the time. Hallelujah. He must be in what? Deep waters of the word. Now, when he's in that deep waters, now a storm can come through the ship. That is when the anchor comes into play. Then when the, the, the storms come, you know there will be storms of life that will come at you. Now, if you have that anchor, the anchor is a is heavy tongue of steel. It will just go down, look for a stable ground or a mountain on the bed of the sea or the river. Goes there, 
stays there and stabilizes that ship. Whatever storm might come, that ship is going nowhere. Even a child of God, whatever storm can come to your life, they are so stable in Christ that they will go nowhere. Hallelujah. Now, you will not be toppled over. The ship, when it's anchored, it can't be toppled over. A child of God, when he's anchored is in Christ, he can't be toppled over. Hallelujah. Now, a, a child, you'll see that now, when this, this ship is anchored, it is stable. And you'll also find that even a child of God, when he's going through the storm of life, he is still, he is calm. Perfectly stable. Why? Because it is not him. No, the works that he does, the stability that we will see in him, it is not his works. It is the work of the Father in him. That is why Jesus says, I do nothing until the Father shows me. Even this child of God will be led by the God in whatever area of life that is experiencing problem. You, as a child of God, you must always allow God to lead you. That is why a child of God, when he goes through trouble of life, the first thing he has to do is to pray. Ask for guidance from the God so that he will be the one leading him through it. Now, when he leads you, now you are in calm waters. He comes and he calms the storm. Jesus Christ is capable of doing that. Hallelujah. Now, the other thing that you'll, you'll realize is that... Um, uh, Paul, if we're going to speak a little bit about Paul, is that Paul, after he had received his absolute, I told you that he, he started doing things that he would not ordinarily do. The reason being, he was being led. There was something in him that was leading him. Now, these things that he was doing, it was not because of him. That is why he was saying, for me to live is Christ. To die is gain. Now, one day, Paul, because now he was doing the very same thing he was persecuting people from doing, he was imprisoned. The, the, the Israelites, the, the Jews imprisoned him. The very same one he was working with, they imprisoned him. Now when they imprisoned him, he, he sought counsel with Caesar. Then he, he was given to Agrippa, spoke to Agrippa. Now Agrippa, when speaking to him, he said, Paul, I do not see anything wrong that you've done, but since you've sought counsel with, uh, with, with Caesar, you have to go through a ship and go to Rome and go and see, <coughs> and see uh, Caesar there. Now Paul, with some of the prisoners, were put in a boat and then, uh, with, with some of the soldiers, and then uh, from there they went to another town where he was given to another centurion who was looking after him. Now, when they left that, that, that town, it was around winter, now, in Europe, around the Mediterranean uh, Ocean, somewhere that side, around winter, the winter is around December, and there is a lot of storms there. Now, when they were supposed to leave, Paul told them, brethren, I think, speaking to the, the, the centurion, I think it's better if we stay here for a few days because there's going to be a storm. You know, you, you know that Paul was a prophet? <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah. So, as a prophet... He spoke to this soldier, said, there will be a storm. Now, the soldier, I mean, can you imagine, between a prisoner and a soldier, who has authority? 
soldier. No, this prisoner wants to come and tell us what to do. Oh, brother. And then now he sought counsel with, with, the, with the captain of the ship. The captain said, no, man, we've been through this many times. Leave him. He does not know what to do. Now, brethren, this is a warning. You should always hear Ken to the voice of the prophet. Yes. Because the voice of a prophet is not just a voice. Yeah. Uh, I think there is a quotation we can read. Uh, may you please uh, give us that quotation, um, anointed ones in the end time. Uh, so, so that we will hear exactly what this voice is that is behind the prophet. Now, he told them, no, don't go there. Now, because... Now, I want you to know, uh, or let me just try to get it myself here. It will be easy for me to read it uh, here. Uh, paragraph 269. Now, out into the lens where this message is going, uh, we can go to 268. Amen. Now, out into the land where this message is going, from the east coast to the west coast, from California to New York, down into the south, up into the north, out into the missions, wherever it's going. And in this tabernacle, we are poor. We don't have these great big flowery things and television cast and whatever. We are trying to do the best we can. But all that the Father has given me will come. Now, I want you to know this for sure. You that listen to this tape, you might have thought today that I was trying to say that about myself, being that I was taking this message. I have no more to do with it than nothing. No more than just a voice. You see? The prophet is just a voice. There is someone speaking behind his voice. He says, and my voice, even against my better judgment. I think even at that time, it was against Paul's better judgment. But because something inside of him was directing him, leading him. You understand? So, but it is the will of my father that I declare to do and I'm determined to do. I... I wasn't the one that appeared down on the river. I was only appeared, standing there when he appeared. I'm not the one that performs these things and foretells these things. That happens as perfectly as they are. That's Brother Brandon is now speaking. That whatever he's doing, he's not the one doing it. Yes. Whatever he's saying, he is not the one saying it. There is someone, the absolute, behind him saying these things. He says... I'm only one that is near when he, when he does it. Him, Christ, Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ, the manifested Christ is the one that you find me as brother being near him when he does this. When you see me doing it, it is actually not me. So even the prophet, when he says something, it is not him. Yes. Especially when he says, it does said the Lord, you, you must listen to that yes. but because there is something behind him saying it 
Amen. Now, let me just finish here. It, it wasn't what I knew. It's what I just surrendered myself to. Isn't that what Paul did? It was not what Paul knew. Against his better judgment as a Pharisee, he had to surrender himself to this Lord Jesus Christ that spoke to him in a pit of fire. You understand? So it was not Paul saying this thing. The bravery that you saw, it was not Paul's bravery. There was something behind him doing it. So he says, I just surrendered myself and that he spoke true. It isn't me. It wasn't the seven angel. Oh no. It was the manifestation of the son of man. It wasn't the angel, his message. It was the mystery that God unfolded. It's not a man. It's God. Now, okay, let's, let's go on now with our message. Now, Paul warned them. They did not take heed of his warning. They sailed ashore. Now there was a tempest that came. A tempestuous storm came, and it wanted to sink the ship. Now, for 14 days, there was no sun. For 14 days, they couldn't see even the stars. For 14 days, there was no land in sight. These people were resigned to die. Now, remember now, Paul spoke to them. Now, Paul, as he says, I'm not the one doing this thing. While he was there, while they were going through the storm, this absolute came to Paul in a form of an angel and said, Paul, I'm telling you, no one here is going to lose their life because you have an appointment with Caesar. And you're going to see through that appointment. No matter how bleak the situation might be, no matter how, st- how troubled your life might be, whatever God has set you to do, whatever purpose he has in your life, he will make sure that you see that through. Hallelujah. It is not the tempest storm that's going to determine the fate of your life. It's him. That is why even a child of God, when he dies, it is not because the devil killed him. I've said this many times. I'm going to say it again. It was because it was time. No. Brother Brenham, when he had an accident, car accident as he died, his job was finished. Yes. No, we couldn't say, hey, the devil, how could he rob us? We're looking for the, for the, for, for the, for the prophet. No, he, he's dead. No, brother. His job was that. I know there was a message he wanted to, before he was dying, the trail of a serpent. His job was done. Every, anything, codes, whatever you needed to preach that message, he had already said it. He might not have preached that message, but you remember Pastor Mariba came in to preach it. How did he preach it? It's because everything, everything that you need to preach that message, the servant of the Lord, the seven angel messenger, he had laid it there. You just have to go there under inspiration, gather the codes, then you can preach that message. You can say, hey, you know, we missed that message. We wish he wasn't dead. No, the thrill of a serpent would have been a great message. No, brother. <laughs> His job was done because it was time. It was not the devil who, de- who determined him. No, your life is in the hand of the Lord. Not the devil. Hallelujah. Now, while Paul was going through that, the angel of the Lord came to him. And then um, he told him, no, you're going to see the great Caesar. Now Paul was, now you will realize something about the servants of the Lord. They cannot just come and say things. 
out of just saying it. For 14 days, Paul was quiet. Like the rest of them. He was waiting for a vindication so that whatever he says, it might not be him. Because whatever he says must be supported. Now, if it's his word, he can't support that word while there's a temporal storm storming around trying to kill them. There must be something greater than him saying these things so that that thing that is greater will be able to back that up. That is why Brother Bram will tell you, have the vision, has, as we is told, has any of it failed? No, sir. Why? Because he will wait patiently for the God to come and speak. Then you will see him saying, he is here. The moment he says he is here, he, that is the very person he was speaking about. When he says, I was just on the side when he appeared. When he is here, he will say, now we can start. Uh, you, brother Mavagasa, you have this ailment, brother, it is healed. Now it is not the prophet speaking. It is him, the son of man speaking. Speaking through the prophet's mouth. Remember, the Holy Spirit does not hang on a tree. The Holy Spirit needs a man to use. Brother Brenham was the seven angel prophet that the Holy Christ has to use at our, in our age to send out the message that he wanted us to hear. Hallelujah. Now Paul was there. Then he told them, brethren, be of good cheer. I see even for 14 days you have fasted. You have not eaten you are just fearing for your life, but I can tell you, the angel of the Lord has spoken to me. None of you will lose your life. None of you. Yeah, you will lose the sheep, but you, you will survive. Now, imagine now, 276 prisoners, soldiers, giving them that assurance. No man can do that except it is God. How can you go and assure 276 life in a storm and tell them that, Brother, you, you will not die. It can't be Paul. It has to be somebody greater than Paul. The absolute, the tie post. It has to be that person. Hallelujah. Now he spoke to them. And then if he has, as he has predicted, as he has spoken, predicted, it happened. They went to another island, the island of Melita. When they got there, they ran the ship ashore. Because it was the meeting of where the two seas meet. The storm was even raging. The ship was torn into half. But all of them managed to swim ashore. Safely so. Went into the island. When they reached there, you see now, the devil doesn't stop. It doesn't mean that if you've been through this storm of your life, there will never be any others. No, there will be. He will keep on probing. That is his job. Now when they got there, Paul, the barbarians who were living in that island, went there, welcomed them, because it was winter now, it was cold. They wanted to make a fire. When they made a fire, a, a viper came out, struck Paul, beat him. Oh, he just looked at it, shook it, put it in the fire. That is a very venomous snake. Yes, now the barbarians were there said, hey, no man, oh, this man is a murderer. Really, 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 this one is a murderer. He survived the storm. Now, even now, vengeance wants him to die. You just, because of the sins that he has done, he's going to die on this island. Vengeance wants him to die because now he's just survived the storm. He's been beaten by a snake. 
Now they were looking, said, oh, we know this snake. It has beaten many of us before. We've buried them. Let's just wait. They stopped and they watched. 10 minutes passed. 30 minutes passed. An hour passed. No swelling. Yeah. What type of a man is this? Now they themselves, because they did not know the real God, they said, ah, I know. This is not a man. This man is a God. Yes. Because now they could see there was something. Oh my goodness. There was divine, something divine behind him. That is why they could say he is a God. Because normally no man can survive that venomous death unless he is God. Yes, God was inside of Paul. Now, when after that, Paul as Paul, he held a revival in that island. Started preaching, healing, praying. Hallelujah. Amen. So you see now, you need to have an absolute. Now, what was Paul absolute at that time? Except Christ, the voice of the angel that said, you're going to see Caesar. That was Paul's absolute. He held on to that absolute saying, yeah, the snake has beat me, but I have an appointment with Caesar. God has said so, and we're going to see it through. Now, you see now, that's when faith comes into play. Hallelujah. Now, you will realize again that Jesus Christ, not only is he an absolute, he's a Nostar. Now, I was, uh, a Nostar is a star that you normally found in the northern uh, parts of the world. It's the, the storm that if you are lost, especially sailors, hunters, when they are lost, they have to look at the Nostar to find their way. That is why Brother Bremen says, Jesus Christ is the Nostar. Jesus Christ was the Nostar to Paul. When Paul was lost, he was the one who found a way for him. Now, why do we say Jesus Christ is an absolute? He's a Nostar. It's because there are some things about the Nostar that typify Christ. The Nostar, the whole northern atmosphere, northern, uh, atmosphere the stars, around the, they move around the Nostar. The Nostar doesn't move. It is stable. That is why each and every time you want to find your way and you are lost, you have to look at the Nostar. That is why when you have a compass, the moment that, um, I don't know what you call it, a lever that is on that Nostar, it has to, that is on the compass, it has to point towards the Nostar. Because that is the only stable star in, 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 in the atmosphere. Now, the Nostar is the only stable star that we have. And then, uh, so that is why now the Nostar, we, if we want to have a stable life, we have to look through Christ, through the, to the Nostar. If we are lost, for us to find our way back to God, he says, he is the way, the truth, the life. He is the way that has been provided to lead us back to where we are supposed to, to where we are coming from, to lead us back from, to the Father. Remember, you are attributes of God. You came from God. Now, being an attribute, the only place that, you, that is fit for you is, the, is God. Because that is where you come from. Hallelujah. So now, Jesus Christ is the way to God. Is the way to that place where we, we came from. Yes, I don't want to speak about Adam and everything, how we got lost. We've spoken about that before. But for you to find your way back to God, have to look through the Nostar. Now, the Nostar, as we say, 
is the only stable star that there that is there on the on, in the skies. The another thing about it is that if you find it, that's, that is one characteristic of the North Star. If one day at night you can look at it and find it, they say each and every night, what, whether there is a storm, whether there is it, you will be able to find it. Even a child of God, one day can find Christ for the rest of their life, each and every time in their journey, they will be able to locate it and find him. That is a nostal. Because you cannot just see it. Somebody has to guide it. And if you are guided, you cannot see it unless you are predestinated to do it. So that is why as a predestinated seed of God, when you find him, you know, a child of God cannot be saved and be lost forever. <laughs> no, sir. When you found him, that is why now today we say, make sure that you found him. Because if you found him, you have found him. That's it. That is the end of the story. You can never lose him again. Yes. Hallelujah. Now he says, even another thing about the Nostar. When, it, when the Nostar, you look at it, it's one light. But when the astronomers come and study that star, they saw that it is a three-way star system. You see one light, but there is another star. Another name for the Nostar is Polaris. There is another star, Polaris A, Polaris AB, and Polaris B. Now, when you're looking at them, it's one light. But it is what? A three-way stars. A conglomerate of three stars making what? One light. Isn't that what Christ is? Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit? The, the, the three are what? One. That is why it typifies Christ exactly. Because even though it's three, three stars, they give what? One light. Three offices, one God. Hallelujah. Now, when you found, when is your not star? If you are lost, he will be able to guide you for back to where you've been, you, 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 to where you've gone off. Hallelujah. Now, the other thing was that the Nostra, again, is not the brightest of star. Everybody who knows the Nostra, they will believe that it is the brightest star there is on the sky. No, it's not. It's actually the 50th brightest star in the whole universe. There are, much, there are other stars that are brighter than him. You understand? Isn't, isn't typical of Jesus Christ when Isaiah says, when you look at him, there was no form that we did to desire him. There was no beauty. That means when you look at Jesus, there was nothing beautiful about him. That is why even the Nostra, it is not the brightest star there is on the atmosphere. Why? Because even Christ was not the most beautiful person on earth. But yet, he was the one that was called to save the sins of the world. Hallelujah. So that when you are lost, he could guide you. Even the Nostra, when you are lost, you are a sailor. You are a hunter. You just have to look at that Nostar to find your way. Hallelujah. Because that Nostar is what? It is an absolute to a sailor. It is an absolute to a hunter. And it is an, Jesus Christ is an absolute to what? To a believer. Hallelujah. Now, um, as we continue with our message, we've spoken about Paul, and then um, I want us to speak just a little bit about Job. Um, 
Now, one thing that Job teaches us, he teaches us Christians how to deal with death and disappointment. If I've, as I've already told you, uh, the devil came there and wrecked havoc on in his life. There were four calamities that befell him. Firstly, he lost his cattle and his servants. That was the first calamity. He lost his oxen, his, his, his sheep and his servant. Then he even lost his camels. That was the third one. The worst one was that he even lost his children. Understand? That means everything that Job treasured, everything that he loved, the devil took it away from him. But what, what about what the, the main intriguing thing about Job was that even after that had happened, there was no sin found in Job. His wife even came and said, you must curse God and die. But he will not do it. Because why? Because of he had found an absolute. You understand? He knew that he could, that is why he could say the things that he said that the Lord has taken and the Lord, the Lord had given, now the Lord has taken. You understand? Blessed be the name of the Lord. You see? Even in his distress, even in his troubles, he always managed to please, to praise and worship God. And that is what a believer should be. That is why the problem uh, says, when you have found this absolute, you will do things that you ordinarily wouldn't do. Yes. Can you imagine praising God and there is a death in the family? My friend will say, you are mad. We'll say, hey, no, there's something wrong with this person. Maybe we should take him to a doctor. Maybe he's losing it. Because normally we expect you to mourn. Now, I'm not saying a Christian shouldn't mourn. But there is a way that a Christian should mourn. You understand? He should mourn and at the same time be praising God. Just like Job. That is why even when the wife was saying to Job, please, curse God and die. He will say to the wife, uh, should we only expect good from God, yeah. not evil? You see, even in his situation, he never said, the devil has put me in this place. No, say. Every time it was, he even neglected the devil. That's why the devil was so angry with him. Saying, ah, this man, let's touch his skin and see. Because even after that, he was, there was no complaint from him that the devil has done this. He says, blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. That is what a believer should be able to do. That even when you go through persecution, the more, what, 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 what do we say? When the praises go up, his glory comes down for the glory of God to be able to come to you, comfort you, his spirit to comfort you. There must be praises going to that God. Hallelujah. And he never, ever gave credit to the devil. Please, whatever you go through, do not give credit to the devil. Look at one post. Your tie post. Look at it. Focus on it. Then you will see the devil will flee. Hallelujah. I, I want us to, to read a quotation because we are about to close now. Um, it's, uh, it will be from the absolute and then this one was preached in, um, in uh, 1962, December 30. Now, here uh, on this one, 
there is, there, is, um, there is something that I want you to show that the devil will do to you and how you can combat that. Uh, if you can just get the quotation, absolute preach in 1962, December 30. And um, I think we'll read a paragraph. Um, yeah, we'll read from paragraph 94. Uh, we can just keep that one and go to this one because time is not on our side. Amen. Now he says, right as they started out of Egypt, they got cornered right in the neck of the Red Sea. There was a mountain on either side, and they came up through the valley. And then there was the Red Sea. Now you see here, Moses, remember, even Moses had an absolute as well. For him to be able to go to, the, to, to take out the children of, of Israel, he, he had an experience with a burning bush. He had an experience with Christ. That is why he was able to go back to a place there where he, he, had, flo- he had flown, he had, been, he, had, he had ran away from. Remember, he had killed a man and they wanted to kill him. Then he ran away into the desert, stayed there with Laban because why they wanted to kill him. But when he had found the absolute, he went back where he was promised death. You see? Because he had an absolute. Now, after all that time, he managed, we went back, and then I spoke to Pharaoh. Pharaoh's heart was, hide, was, was, was hardened. Even the firstborn in the, of the children of Egypt had to die. And ultimately, the children of Israel were, were released. And then uh, they were set free. Now, after they were set free, Pharaoh's heart being hardened, he ran after them to come to try to catch them and kill them. Now, here, we are coming at a point now where now they are just cornered right in the neck of the Red Sea. There is a mountain either side of them. And there is an Egyptian army behind them. Now, Brad Bram says, no way to escape over the hills. Yes. They even couldn't, you could say, maybe there was a cave. <laughs> they could go into a cave. Remember, they were two million strong. I don't think in those mountains there were a cave that can accommodate two million people. Now that means they were stuck there. Now it was at the time when the Red Sea was at its highest level. My, can you imagine that? That now you are taking out the children of Israel from slavery at a time when the storm is raging, at a time when the river is raging and it is at its highest. Amen. Now the Egyptian coming was coming from the behind. Now you could say maybe they will stop and fight the Egyptian army. Men, they were just laborers. They were not soldiers. The army that was coming were well trained in the art of war. They did not stay a chance. Now, Brother Bram says, no way to escape over the hills. No way to escape over there because there are hills by the side. And Pharaoh's army coming this way. Oh, brother, what a place to stand. You see, as a believer, 
there's a time when you have to stand in a place like that. Whereby when you look, brother, <laughs> there is just trouble. You are even afraid for your life. You know, there's adrenaline pumping into in your system. When you look, there's no hope. You are cornered. The devil has really cornered you. You know when adrenaline pumps in your heart, you need to run. But you find that you can't run. You are cornered. Where are you going to run to? In my language, we say, That means the world must open up and you should escape inside. You still can't do that. Because the world, this floor can't open up and for you to escape in. Now it is at that point when the absolute come into play. He says, see how the devil gets you in a place where you don't know what to do. Amen. It is at that point, at that place, when you don't know what to do, when the absolute knows what to do. Hallelujah. When you don't know what to do, he knows what to do. When you don't have a way to escape, he's your nostal. He's your way out of trouble. Now, here were the children of Israel. There by the Red Sea. Now, brethren, there's something that we children of God, there's a mistake we always do. We forget the promises of the word. Remember, an absolute is Christ. Christ is the word. The word is God. This word, everything that is inside of you is made for you. If you are troubled, you just need to go through this word and find your way through. Now, what happened now? When this was happening, there was a promise that was made to Moses. He says, God said to Moses, Moses, you will worship me in the mountains, in the promised land. That was the promise that God has given to Moses. Now, the only thing that Moses had to hold you was what? That promise. No. There is a red sea in front of us. Pharaoh's army is behind. These mountains. God has to make a way because the mountain is on the other side of the Red Sea. I will tell you, brother. That is why they say there is a light at the end of the tunnel because your promise is, is at the end of the table. How are you going to go through that table, tunnel? It is not your duty. It is not for you to figure out. That is why, brother, we have prayer. The prayer is to make a way is to consult with that Nostra. So that this Nostra, in that dark tunnel, he will come carry you. He will come lead you. To what? To the light. There, at the end of the tunnel. You see? What happened now? Moses was there. You know, Moses, he had a stick. Brother Brennan make a joke and he says, when, the, when the, 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 he threw the stone, the, the stick there, Pharaoh came with his magi- magicians, they came through the stone. Moses, stone, Moses' stick went there and defaut, devoured all those snakes from the, other, from the other sticks. He says, when he was there with the sticks, he was leading the children of, the, of Israel with his, his stick, with the, with the sticks of that other magician in the belly of his stick. Hallelujah. Now he had that stick. The Lord said, what do you have in your hands? Put it there. You see? Then the the, the, the rest opened up. It was not Moses. It was 
God, the, the absolute, the one who had promised, who came there on the scene, opened up the Red Sea, made a way. Even you, if today you are troubled, if today you find that you are in trouble, you just have to consult with this absolute. You just have to consult with him to make a way for you. Hallelujah. Because he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. Hallelujah. He is your tie post. He is the tie post to your soul. Now, you will find that even when this happens, you will find that even the children of Israel continue to murmur and to do everything, but Moses had a promise that they were going to worship there. If this generation was not able to do it, there was going to be another generation of Israelites that was going to do it. Because it was what? God's promise. That is why even when God wanted to destroy them, the Moses can say, God, but remember, what will the people say that you just took all these people to come there and kill them? But he says, no, Moses, because you are a believer, I will raise the, the tribe of Israel through you. Moses had to plead for them because they did not have an absolute, but he did have an absolute. So now for you to go through the journey of your life, you must have an absolute. But there will be ups and downs. There's a quotation that I want to, to, to reach for you to show you that even the prophet had to have his ups and downs. He had to be traveled. But, and then when he was troubled, uh, we can read the quotation also, uh, absolute, but the one preached in, um, let me see my brother, I think it was, let me just get it for you. Um, yeah, uh, the one preached, I think the 27th of, um, oh, let me just check my notes here, I think I've written it here, Amen. Just, just bear with me for a second, amen. Um, hallelujah, amen. amen. Yes, the one preached in 1963, uh, January 27th. And I will read, um, we'll read paragraph 239. Amen. Now, here was Brother Brenham. Um, there was a senator, Mr. Ezra. Now, Mr. Ezra, he, was, he got converted after he had this conversation, conversation with Brother Brenham. Now, at this point, it was at, at the darkest hour in the life of our prophet. It was during the 1937 uh, floods in Ohio. And then uh, during those floods, he had lost his, baby, his wife, um, Hope. And then uh, he had also lost his daughter, Sharon. Because, they had, because of the storm, they caught, I think, tuberculosis. Hope had a lung TB, and she passed on. And then um, the, the, the daughter had TB, tuberculosis, meningitis from TB also passed on. Now, it was at the darkest hour of his life. Now, the, the, Mr. Asler came to see him and said, 
He said, I've seen you stand there in that pulpit till I thought you'd die. Said, I've seen you fast till you'd be so picked. I feel sorry for you. You see, that is what Brother Brian was doing for God. He will go there, preach the gospel of, 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 of Christ because he was commissioned to do that. Now the, the, the brother here was asking him that he has seen them. Him, do we do that? And he says, and he said, in and out, in and out, day and night, he said, and then your wife and baby in there, in the grave. See, you look at them since now. He said, now since that has happened, you've given so much for this God. But yet you've lost your children. What does this God, what does this Christ mean to you now? Ah, oh, you see, brother. <laughs> For us to know what God means to a believer, it is at a point like that. It is at a time when you are at your darkest hour, where will you see your true colors? Or, hey, is this brother a believer or not? You see, others will say, curse God and die. But a believer, he says, see, I had found that absolute. That's something that helped me when the storm was on. And he says, somebody asked me, said, Billy, did you keep your religion during the time of your trouble? He said, no, sir. It kept me. You see now what I'm saying? Even in the middle of a storm, God, when there is, there is darkness wherever you're going, he's the one who's going to carry you to see that light at the end of that tunnel. You see, a true believer will recognize that now it is that absolute that kept me. Yes, I might have been going through the lowest part of my life, through a valley in my life, but he will get me through. A believer. Because why? You have something. You have seen and then you have had contact with that absolute. You are firmly tied to it. Now, even this morning, brethren, I urge you, you need to be tightly tied to that tie post, to that absolute. Then you will see the storms of life raging as they may be will never do anything to you. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, another quotation before we close. Um, we'll read also the same one, but we'll go to two, paragraph uh, 275. Now he says, now brethren, I want to ask you something. Ministers, not to be different. Not to be mean, but to be honest. You know, brethren, we need to be honest with ourselves. I need to be honest with myself. You need to be honest with yourself. He says, don't you think in this day, this is a day, in all these chaos that we are living in, you know, brother, in all this pandemic, coronavirus that we are living in, isn't it about time that we got to be sure about this thing? Amen. This message that we are holding on to, 
this message that you are professing to love so much, isn't it at this time? You see, it is at the time when the storm is raging where you have to be sure of what this Christ means for you. When you have to be sure of what this message means to you. You have to be sure that you have the real thing. You have grasped unto the real thing. You have held unto the real tie post. It is this time. Understand? Because I will tell you, when this coronavirus came, most of us were not sure. And then uh, some people, even up to this time, they still think the doctors can heal them when they have it. I can tell you, brethren, it has changed the status quo. At first we thought they were, the pastor have, uh, have uh, preached the message underlying, underlying factors. Yes, you've heard, have you listened to the message? Yeah. Underlying conditions, yeah. underlying factors. Those are risk factors. We thought only if you have a certain risk factors, maybe if you're obese, Maybe if you have diabetes, you have high blood pressure, you are old, it might kill you. But I can tell you now, I'm talking about doctors now. We've buried doctors younger than me who had no underlying risk factors, no underlying condition, healthy as they are. You see now, this, this disease, when you get it, even the professors, the specialists, they do not know how you're going to pan out. Isn't it about time that you hold on to something that knows how you're going to pan out? The absolute. Isn't it about time that you hold on to him? Because he knows. I mean, he knows the very hair in your life. He knows, he knows when you're going to die. He knows the very year, the very month, the very day, the very hour, the very minute, very second, the very millisecond when you're going to die. He is the one that has your life in his hand. Isn't it about time that you go there and then come into contact with him? Make your life. Brabram says, you know, we must concentrate our life. Don't you think it's about time that we concentrate our life anew so that we may hold, we may be concentrated and be closer and have a closer walk with him, with him carrying us. Because it is only when we are sure that we can actually look and see, know this coronavirus, that whatever it may do to you, you know where you're going to go. But if you are not sure of who you are, you are holding on to, it's a problem. You have a chance this morning to get rid of that problem, to be sure to concentrate our, your life anew, to make sure that you can walk with Christ anew, afresh. If there's something you have done that is contrary to this word, brother, there's still time. Uh, the, the, the rapture hasn't come yet, <laughs> so the salvation has not been closed yet. There is still time. You need to use the opportunity now. Hallelujah. Now, as we're going to close, this God is not just a God. And uh, he, 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 he says, he is this, the word says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. You know, uh, uh, when this coronavirus was raging, we, we had many people who got sick. There was this thing, this, this post that one doctor put there. This doctor, he was appealing to the people that 
they must wear masks, they must um, sanitize, and then um, they must do everything according to the government, the way it does. It was a message, a post. Because he does not want that the very time when he's sick, the hospital are packed with people and he does not get a bed to, to go to when he's sick. Because he was working with sick people, the, the very people who had coronavirus. Now, it came as a shock to me that two weeks after he has posted that message, he had actually been admitted to this very same hospital that he was telling people, I want to, when you, you know what, look after yourself so that I may have a bed in the hospital. Yes, he got sick. He got a bed. He went to ICU and he died. You see now, brother, you need to hold on to something that is above the hospital. Something that is above a doctor. He was a doctor himself. He went to other doctors, yet he could not be helped. Now, who, if the doctors, this thing takes doctors, what about the ordinary men? That means you need to know who you put your trust on. You know, one doctor also said, he's a cardiologist. He said, you know, many people have spoken. Let us people who know speak. He says, I had this disease and I've been laid off for three weeks. When I'm an athlete, you know, I train every day. He said, when I got this disease, I could not even take two steps without short, falling short of breath. He said, when I was in the room, in my house, I thought I was going to die in the very same room. He posted a message. The very same room I'm posting this message to you. I thought I was going to die. He said, yeah, you know, the, we, he, he, he said, I think the doctors, I think the nurses, I think the physiotherapists, I think I think the specialists who look after me. But he says, moreover, I thank God for his mercy and grace. Because he says, if it was not because of his mercy and grace, I would now we are talking about a cardiologist. The one who he says he knows the treatment, he can prescribe it for himself. He says, I thank the God who pulled me through. It is by grace and mercy. You understand? Now we are only living on his grace and mess. It is nothing, it is not because of anything that we have done. It is his grace and mess. And his grace and mercy, it, it is still here. Amen. I think uh, I still have some notes that I want to go through, but my time is up. May God bless the, 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 his word, amen, as we stand up. Amen. <laughs> now it calls on us to to make sure that we know what is it that we are holding on to. It calls on us to make sure that the very promises that God has given us, we believe in them and we carry them through. This, this is not a time for guesswork, brethren. <laughs> no. You can't be guessing. Life, lives are at stake. Your life, mine, they are at stake. You cannot be playing guesswork with it. This time is the time when you should be sure. Amen. If you are not sure before, uh, you still have a chance. You need to be sure now. Because the fact that you've gone through this pandemic, you know, brethren, we are holding meetings now. Uh, the meetings we are holding um, is about the third wave. 
<laughs> yes, there's going to be a third wave. You see now? Now you need to be sure. And we don't know, this wave was even worse than the first one. We don't know how the third one is going to pan out to be. Mara, you have an absolute. You have a tie post. The only way you're going to go through it is if you hold family to that tie post. Hallelujah. You have all the weapons. You have all the ingredients. You have all the principles, all the fundamental principles for, to get you through. The fundamental principles of divine healing. You know them. We've taught you about them. Use them. Hallelujah. Uh, can we just sing a song? Amen. Precious brother Borero to come and op- uh, close the proceedings in a way of prayer. Amen.
not by means of the testimonies we have of the things you are doing for us, Lord. Not that you died on Calvary, but you died because we rotated from thee, oh God. We have a point of orientation, Lord. We have a place where we belong. May it be so, Lord, that you may remain in absolute May the count of our days, Lord, be filled with the projection of all these testimonies, Lord, proving that you are in absolute trust. I pray, Heavenly Father, thanking you, Almighty God, this afternoon for speaking to us. We came expectant, Lord, and our hearts are filled with joy and gladness. Father, we are happy, Lord, that when we read the Bible, Father, we see how you, you managed and proved all the time that you are in absolute. They went through the seas. You were in absolute. The enemies surrounded them. You were in absolute. They were sick in the wilderness. You were in absolute. They went through the fire, Lord. You became the fourth man. They were in the dens of lions. You were in absolute, my Lord. They were cast, Lord, into arenas, Lord, to be fed to lions. They could not renounce or denounce your name because you were in absolute. Even in this very day, in this moment, Lord, we share the same faith with them that have gone on. You are in absolute. You will remain in absolute. And I would pray, Heavenly Father, may the faith of the message of the hour remain in our hearts and our souls. Not that you may be a savior, but both that you be a savior, Lord and our Lord. Not that just you be a Lord, but we acknowledge that you are our Redeemer. Yes, Lord. Father, we are thankful, Heavenly Father. There's been such moments in our lives where we could not tell where we are coming from. And where we could not tell, Father, what would befall us in the morning that follows. Lord, you have proved yourself to be an absolute. Yes, Lord. You are in absolute in these days that we are living in. As we go back to our homes, establish our family life. Lord, I pray that you establish Heavenly Father this very faith in our children. Lord, I pray, Heavenly Father, that with this very same foundation of thy word, you may resuscitate those that are fallen on the way. The backsliders, you may bring them all. We are standing in, in such treacherous times where the devil is roaring like a lion. He is seeking to devour, and he has devoured many. But I pray, Lord, that those that are weakly, Heavenly Father, may you be an absolute unto them. 
I'm pleading with thee this afternoon, Lord, that any time that we would meet, let this life vibrate in our souls. We pray for our pastor, Lord. Protect him on the way. Protect him, oh God, all the while. With the trust you have committed unto him. Lord, to be a caretaker, oh father of your sheep. Such an heavenly trust. Lord, I pray that, Father, you may preserve him. And I pray, Father, that you may continue to guide him. Do the same for every minister, Lord. For some ministers have thought, Lord, to preach otherwise. May we be like the prophet who denied this message. That is not his message. It belongs to thee. May we be the same this day when we stand before the podium, Lord. Deny this message. And say it is not our own. It is not of our own thinking. It is thine, dear God. Father, we are not trying to repeat the message. We are echoing the message. There is a big difference in repeating it and echoing it, Lord. For some in repeating, they have added of their own. But in echoing, Father, we are just, Lord God Almighty, vessels bringing forth the same voice. Help us to do the same, Lord. I pray for the church. I pray for everyone, Lord, whose faith is calling out to thee. Some are going through such tough times. Some are sickly, Lord. Some are lacking the demands of each and every day's needs. But I pray, Father, that, Lord, you may suffice. Be thou a sufficient portion, Lord, and absolute for every cause, and every instant of life. In the name of Jesus Christ, Father, we pray. Even as I commit, Brother Solomon, in your precious hands. Commit, Father, I commit him in your precious hands. As he is committed, Lord, to the trust of thy word. Lord, help him in his profession. Help him as he guides his family. As a minister of the gospel, Lord, help him, Father, to give him the insight into thy word. That he may continue to bring such wonderful words. Word of holy life. Word of eternal life. Father, that we may be anchored in thee. All the while we look up to the cross, we are counting down, not counting up. That our redemption is drawing nigh. And Father, it is so that one day we will bid farewell to this world through this absolute that we have. Thank you, Almighty God, for this message. Thank you, Father, for blessing each and every gathering that has been made. Father, Almighty God, to be fruitful this day through this message of the hour. I thank you, Almighty God. I return all the glory and the honor and the majesty unto thee. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. 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 Uh, we'd like to thank the Lord. Amen. Uh, we'll just ask uh, Brother Mentau to come. Maybe give us a song or two. Then from there we'll be dismissed. May you have a glorious week. May you, may the Lord God, good Lord bless you, and whatever endeavors you may be having, may He bless it, for, uh, may He bless it, and make it successful. Uh, we pray, and I pray, believe in this, in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Till we meet, Amen.
Yeah.